Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome. It is great to have you here listening to us for another week. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in studio with Pastor Nick. Hello. And this is the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We are studying the Torah portion, Korach. That's right, Korach. Dun, dun, dun. Let me just say that uh, most of the Torah is pretty exciting, but kind of goes downhill for a little bit right here. Uh, We're going to start in Numbers chapter 16 and verse 1 and end at uh, chapter 18 and verse 32. I guess we should probably, if we're going to read... Go ahead and do that intro and read a few verses. Yeah. In Numbers 16. Yeah, where do you want to read I to? I would go ahead and I would look at. Um, I would read uh, Numbers 16, verses 1 through 4. All right, let's do it. So now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, the uh, Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face." All right, here we go. It's game on. What tribe was Kor from? He was he was a, a Levite. Number sixteen one. He was from Levi, but he was also a son of Kohath. The Kohathites. Yep. And uh, the Kohathites, very interesting people. The Kohathites, of course, carried all of the furniture, all of the furnishings, and everything, and uh, uh, very interesting. And so now, all of a sudden, uh, after the evil report from the ten spies, who by the way died of a plague, now all of a sudden. Um, here we have a uh, challenge in the leadership by Korah. And Korah and Moses, I believe, are cousins. They're related. Uh, and along with Korah, what other tribe is mentioned in verse 1 of number 16.1? Uh, this is going to be Reuben. Reuben. Uh, very interesting. Uh, notice that uh, the Kohathites and the Reubenites, they camped out together. We won't get into all of that. But why was it Reuben? Why was it Korah? Well, because the Kohathites were camped with the Reubenites, uh, the tribe yeah. of Reuben. They, so there proximity. Was a, it was a conspiracy theory. It takes two or more people to have a conspiracy. Remember that. So the coup has begun here. Uh, the interesting thing was uh, there were 250 princes who were famous and renowned in the assembly. They came forward with Korah to contest Moses' leadership. Once again, 250 princes who were famous and renowned in the assembly. And, of course, uh, at this response, uh, what did Moses do after hearing the statement from those who contended for his leadership? Uh, He fell on his face. He fell on his face. He started uh, intercession, you know. A lot of times, as a leader, you can be attacked. People can come after you. And you have to kind of hear them out and see where they're at, see what's going on. But I think immediately we should be going into... You know, uh, we have to go into prayer mode, intercession mode. You know, I have a, a friend of mine uh, who who leads our uh, our group once a week for the Christian Businessmen's Connection, and uh, he talks about the Jedi mind trick. 
And a Jedi mind trick is to never J-E-D-I or J-E-D, right? Never justify, uh, excuse, or defend, right? Don't justify, excuse, or defend, but inquire. So when somebody comes at you angry, you inquire, well, I don't understand. Why do you feel that way? And so it calms them down. You know, it kind of diffuses the situation. You ask them interrogatory questions, who, what, when, where, why, how. And so it's kind of, you know, Moses' deal here is that he's just going straight into intercession. Right. So that would be the I in this case. The Jedi mind trick for Moses is to don't justify, explain, or defend. And you're going to use the Force during the podcast. Let's see that. <laughs> the I'm Holy sure Spirit. there's some Trekkies out there as well that aren't happy about this. But, you know, once again, we relate to the culture. That's what Ryan does. I, I keep forgetting <laughs> that he's 20 years younger than me. Um, okay, I forget that. But, hey, it's good. It's cool. Listen, Star Wars came out in 76. You know, this is true. This is true. <laughs> before you were born. Yes, so, you 10 know, years before At least. Born. So here's here's what's going to happen now. So Moses is the set man, and uh, he's he's over the congregation. He was picked by God. And uh, in Numbers sixteen five, did Moses tell Korah and his company that the Lord would show who are his by the next day? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So it's going to be like a test, right? Right. So he, now the, the the ball is in Moses's court, and he's going to call the shots uh, in regard to this dissension. Uh, what did Moses tell Korah and his company to have in their hands the next day? Numbers 16, verses 6 and 7. Uh, so he told them to bring their censers uh, with fire and incense. So basically they have their bowl to carry the fire and the incense. Right. So you would actually get the fire from the altar, and you would come into the Holy of Holies, and that fire from the altar, uh, a fire pan would also be used to keep the menorah lit, to make sure that's lit. Also, you, you're going to have... Uh, the altar of incense there for those fire pans as well, for the mm. censers. Very interesting. Um, and what did the Lord tell Moses to do after everybody was assembled in Numbers 1621? Uh, after everyone was assembled, he said, separate yourselves among this congregation. So, you know, unwise associations. You know, uh, when I was That's growing true. up and I had my friends or whatever, and they wanted to get in trouble or do something crazy, boy, I broke away from the pack real quick. I separated myself because I didn't want to go to the hospital or jail. Yeah. And uh, that happens sometimes, you know. Some of you have stories from childhood. Well, and we have the benefit of reading the story before. We know what's going on. And sometimes the Lord is saying, you need to separate yourself. And you're like, well, but I love these people or this or that. I feel for them. You know, we, we start to make excuses for as to why we want to go and, and continue to associate with people. And that's it, a whole other teaching. It, but it's super obvious why Moses needed to get the heck out of Dodge here, right? I mean, he needed you know, to get out the way. Now... Moses hears from God. He's inspired. Yeah. And uh, what was his response when you know when he when he heard to separate from from these people? He he went into intercession. He fell on his face, or him and Aaron both fell on their faces. Right. Uh, think about it. He says, "Separate yourself." Moses knows what's going to happen. He he's like has a, a a clue, right? So so he falls on his face again to intercede for these people again. I mean, and, you know, and these are people that hate him. Birds you know? of a feather flock together. That are rising uh, up. Number you know? 16, 24. Did the Lord want Moses and the whole congregation to separate themselves from Korah, Dathan, and Abiram? Now it's going to go from leadership that was appointed by God to separate. Now he's giving the warning, get away from these people. Yeah, step back. <laughs> get away from these people. Amen. Like and, you ever uh, you ever have somebody say something, uh, you know, in a church or something, or, or say something somewhere that's like kind of sacrilegious, and like you start to scoot your chair over just in case God's going to strike them with you lightning? You know, that, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's kind of we what's going on We could be a legend in our own mind. And it's the whole paradigm, Ryan. You know, the paradigm shift is happening. And, um, you know, and my, my heart for the Father is, you know, is, is his heart. So when he looks down and, and sees 
you know, the Jews and the Gentiles and the, the enmity that is still there, even though Yeshua took the enmity away from for both groups of people, we keep putting it back up. But I really sense from the heavens that the Father is wanting reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles. And so you have to choose sides, you know. And even among, you know, whether it's Hebrew roots or Christianity, some aren't going to buy into that. They're not going to want to be a part of that. So we have to separate ourselves from that, which is fine. Uh, they can make their own choice. Uh, even among the Jewish people, you know, these, these Jewish people have extended a hand to us, and now they're, they're being, you know, they're being called out and uh, blacklisted or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, but they're, they're extending a hand to us, and we should take their hand uh, as, we, as we do this together. So... Uh, it's interesting because uh, if you really look at this question um, about separating the congregation from the, you know, the troublemakers, uh, I do believe it's found in, I guess it's numbers, let's see here, there's, I want to say 1630. Yeah, let's look at 1630 because did Moses foretell... What would happen to the men who challenged his position before it happened? Let's let's read that. He did. He goes That's good. He, he says this. He says, "But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord." Now he's getting some serious uh, instructions here about what's going to happen. So he's truly a prophet. So he's going to tell you in advance. I mean, at this point, I think what, we've, we've what's gathered gonna Moses as a prophet. What's going to happen? <laughs> and here's the response. Here's the uh, action. Number 1632, if Ryan could read that. All right. So it says, uh, 32. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods. Wow. Bummer. So, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. Um, what did the earth do after the men went down alive into the pit? Number 1633. The earth closed on them, so it closed over them. So here's the foretelling of an event. The event happens. And in number 1634, what did the children of Israel do when the earth closed back up? Uh, well, they, they fled. They ran away at the, at the cry of them. So they heard them screaming, falling down into the pit, and they right. ran. You know, this is a this is a pretty serious judgment, if you ask me. I said so and, too. And you know, if you go back to the golden calf incident, you know that was a serious, serious time, where he wanted to wipe his people out and, and start over or whatever it was. But uh, once again, Moses reminded him of the covenant. And what are the Egyptians going to think? And what are the nations going to think? So, you know, we know that God gets angry, but He's going to keep His covenant. Yeah, He's going to keep His covenant. You that's know, right. and He can. He can say, you know, I, I can wipe you out, and he can. He can make alive. He can kill. Uh, the all-powerful God in heaven, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has, has all the power. That's right. You know, and it's by his grace. And this is why a lot of us can say that we've had near-death experiences, but we're still here. Yeah. Uh, so in regards to this, uh, now all of a sudden, uh, the earth swallows up Korah and, and, and that, and, and now we're going to get into the 250 uh, princes of Israel. What's going to be the response in that? And, well, and, and of course, number 1635, if you would like to read that, what consumed the 250 men who had censers? All right, so it says, uh, and there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. Now, what's interesting is these these judgments, I think sometimes we, we uh, consider these things to be like far-fetched, right? Uh, or that they're outlandish or, or whatever, because, you, you know, what, when does the earth open up and swallow somebody? Well, if, if you live in Florida, here where we are locally, we have these things called sinkholes. And literally just a couple years back, we had a, an incident in Sefner, Florida, 
where, which is just north of here, where uh, the ground literally opened up inside a man's bedroom, swallowed his entire bed and him in it, and he, you know, him screaming, and his brother runs into the room trying to trying to pull him out, but can't get to him without you know getting sucked in as well, and it literally swallowed him up. Now from the outside of this house, you wouldn't even know anything happened. It's the house on the outside just looks you know normal. Uh, but we see sinkholes on a on a yearly basis here in Florida, where limestone ent- entire homes you know, are this just is actually, completely uh, Florida swallowed was up. actually underwater at one time. That's true, and uh, you can even see this. Even in, uh, it's kind of interesting. Well, know. the whole Earth was underwater at one time. Well, that's true. <laughs> if you if you go to uh, Masada and you go up the Snake Path and you look along the walls there of that Masada, that mountain, um, that fortress or whatever, uh, you can actually see shells yeah. in the side of the of the mountain. So once again, we're having a situation here where um, you know uh, ten spies give an evil report, and by the way, those ten spies died of a plague, and now they're not going into the land. Yeah, right? no, they're going to be punished for 40 years. And so if you're 20 and up, you're not going into the land except for Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. And how now, did Joshua relevant, and Caleb feel about that too? But this man. is relevant, Ryan, because I'm going to tell you something, you know, in the Hebrews of the Christian faith, we have to be careful because so many people have disqualified themselves. So many people are going to lose their inheritance because of their disobedience, their behavior, you know, the church bashing, the, the, you know, the, uh, of course the negativity towards the church, uh, you know, Lashon Hurrah against ministers and ministries on social media. If, if you're doing this, you need to repent. Thus saith the Lord. I'm telling you now, because God wants our obedience. He wants us to hear his voice. And, and a lot of times in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, people are jockeying for position in social media. And I'm telling you, the only position you have to jockey for is the position that God wants to give you, which is the vision that he gives you. You know, just like I share all the time. Uh, God's asked me to build a strong community and raise up the next generation. You know, uh, I know that people think the grass is green on the other side and all that, but this is what the Father has for me. Not how many hits we have, you know, and by the way, we do have a praise report that we've had over 5,000 podcast listens. That's right. uh, For this particular uh, season of the Torah since we started Genesis, and we want to thank all of you for that. That's a really a praise report. Uh, what Ryan and I are trying to do as we do these Torah portions is to make the Torah relevant. We want to lift up the Word of God and, and lift up Yeshua so that all men, women, and children may be drawn into Him. But maybe you think the Torah has been done away with or, or this or that, but I want to assure you that it's teachings and instructions. It has totally changed my life. And having the Holy Spirit is the bonus package as well. But once again, I want to encourage you that, that our, our mission, our mandate, uh, both Ryan and I, is to promote the Torah, the teachings and instructions. So uh, a lot of times we can be doing teachings for ourselves and look at me and, and look at Ryan, but, but we really, really, truly, truly just enjoy God's Word. And we just had our uh, uh, Torah study last night, and we had guests come and everything, and it's just so exciting to see what the Father is doing. And I know God's going to give you an opportunity to, to share the Torah portions as well, especially when you can get the PowerPoints or the Torah questionnaire and sit down and really have a great discussion about it. Um, so 250 men uh, uh, died from a, a fire from the Lord. Actually, I, I believe in the Hebrew, it means like it took their breath. Uh, same thing happened to Nadab and Abihu. He just took their breath. Uh, once again, now there's damage control, cleanup time. Uh, who was responsible for picking up the censers from the dead in number 1637? This is going to be Eliezer, the son of Aaron. And we're going to hear about Eliezer's son later on, Pincus, uh, and the great, uh, the great action that he took as well in the future. Now, what did they do with the censers in number 1638? 
Uh, they made them into broad plates for a covering for the altars. They they beat them out into into you know. So here's flat the rebellion, plates. and they're gonna put these on the altar as a remembrance Oof. of a judgment. Man, of this is what you do not want to do. I like to watch a lot of documentaries and different things, and uh, Rick Steves Europe. And uh, hey, for free, you can go to Europe, and it's just a thirty minute program. It's free. So I've been all over Europe. And, and the interesting thing is they took a lot of the World War II um, buildings and, and bunkers, and they actually turned them into museums. Uh, it's very interesting. So, you know, once again, um, it's a reminder. It's a reminder. Uh, in number 1640, did you have to be from the seat of Aaron to offer incense to the Lord? You did. You had to be from the seat of Aaron. Uh, what comes to my mind, I'm not going to give you the reference, but I will give you the person. Uh, King Uzziah That's right. was not from the tribe of Levi or from Aaron, Aaron, and he was a king and he became uh, strong in his heart, which is a, which is a, a term for pride. And uh, he was a great reformer and restoration and different things. And uh, he got pride in his heart and he believed that he could do the incense. And, and Ryan, he, of course, uh, stormed the altar of incense to light it and 80 priests tried to stop him you can read this story uh, in the old testament and 80 priests tried to stop him he was so stubborn and obstinate that he crashed through all of them and he was able to try to do it and what happened is he broke out in leprosy and he died a leper and was uh isolated and yeah. so once again a lesson to be learned run in your lane do the things that god has given you to do you know that's right and so here we go now you know and it's like it's like it just it's a snowball effect here now. Well, what don't we get? And I think part of the example of both Uzziah and uh, Korah, you know, I was listening to Aleph Beta has a podcast and they were talking about uh, a couple different things, but um, they made the connection that Korah is a son of Kohath and the Kohathites, um, you, their responsibility was the movement of the tabernacle furniture. So the, the Ark of the Covenant, the menorah, all these things. And so, uh, the things that are the most holy uh, objects within the tabernacle, they were responsible for, you know, quote unquote, packing them up into the U-Haul truck to move them, you know? And so uh, they had a whole process, you know, when they would take the veil down into for the Holy of Holies, they'd have to blindfold themselves and cover the ark so that they would never lay their eyes upon it. And then they would cover it in a leather covering and then they'd cover it in, a, in an all blue or a tachelet covering, which is the same color that the, the thread on the tzitzit, or the, the tassels. And through this whole process, they're uh, picking up and moving the furniture around. And, and we know that in the book of Numbers that they have 42 encampments. So 42 times through the book of Numbers, they're moving this furniture around. But yet Aaron, the priest, is the only one and only once a year who's allowed to walk into the Holy of Holies and lay eyes upon the Ark of the Covenant. And so what, they, what has kind of happened here is there's a familiarity from Korah to the tabernacle furniture, to the holy place, to the holy of holies, or the Kodesh Kodeshim. And basically, this familiarity breeds contempt. I mean, how often do we get uh, close to somebody? My dad uh, used to call it seeing them in their underwear. You know, people would come and they'd train with us when we do martial arts as a kid. And my dad was like the grand poobah. And they would come and, and hang out at the house or whatever. And after a while, you know, they start calling him by his first name. And um, you know, over a while, just the, the level of respect starts to deteriorate because yeah, of familiarity. familiarity breeds contempt. Right. And, you know, the, the, the fact is, is that, you know, God p- pours out these judgments when these people become, uh, when they, they stop realizing God's holiness. And I think it's important for us to remember that we serve an awesome 
and holy God, that he is holy, and that there is uh, you know, certain protocols that we have been given the confidence through Yeshua to, to enter into the throne room of grace, but with humility and with respect and with protocol. And so I think that it's important for us to not follow the example of Korah and the example of Uzziah, just busting through everything like a bull in a china shop thinking that we know everything because we don't. And we need to read God's Word and make sure that what we're doing is in line with the Scripture. And I would say strongly, Ryan, as you go out there in the public sector of life and you see a leader, whether it's the lead barista at a coffee shop or or whatever it is, I think we should show honor to them, you know, uh, and, and, and it's just like as a church, as a pastor, I deal with a lot of different restaurants and catering for our men's meeting and stuff. And I've had some run-ins with the, with the leadership where, you know, I had to deal with something, but I made sure that I respected that leader and, and they reciprocated and, and, and gave it back to me, you know, sure. which, which is kind of nice. So that's something to think about. So I want to set the scenario here because it's all building on, on this case. Uh, basically, you have to remember that um, the 10 spies came back, gave an evil report. Uh, they thought that they could repent and go take the land because they heard they're going to die in the wilderness. That mm-hmm. generation was not going to go into the land, and they did not like that judgment. So no. they wanted to change the judgment. So they tried to go into the land, and they were struck down uh, by their enemies. They were not able to go into the land. They came back with their tail between their legs because they didn't have Moses. They didn't have the ark. They didn't have the presence of God. And so they got a real... Uh, whooping. Uh, a whooping. And so I only say that because now all of a sudden the tables are going to turn, and now the people are going to be thinking, okay, they're murmuring, they're complaining, and Korah you know, probably jumps in here with the Reubenites uh, I want you all to think about this. Yeah. So now they're given this judgment, but now the, the, the leadership around Moses is saying, hey, you know what? Maybe this is just Moses and Aaron telling us this. Right. That we can't go into the land. Yeah. But it's not really from God because we're holy too. And that was the case they tried to build. Well, we're holy too. And and so that's something to consider, everyone. Well, ultimately, you know, they just didn't learn their lesson. They just felt like, you know, well, you know what? We could still go into the land. Well, and it sounds harsh, right, that they would have to wander the wilderness for 40 years and that that entire generation would have to die off. But and God no knew changing that. that if God allowed this generation to enter the land, that they would ultimately, you know, have have more issues faster in the, it is, once they it, make so, it. So here they go. What did all the congregation do the next day to Moses and Aaron after Korah swallowed up? 250 men are taken out by the fire of the Lord. What did they do in Numbers 1640? They lost their minds and they murmured against Moses and Aaron again. <laughs> they murmured against Moses and Aaron. See, they were the, the point of contact. They were they were accessible. Man, they are cruising a for a bruising, man. I tell you. And what did Moses and Aaron do when the Lord wanted to consume the congregation in Numbers 1645? They, they fell on their faces in intercession. They just started interceding because they had a connection with God. At this point, I would have been have, like, strike I mean, them dead, God. Let them out. You know, it. and so... You know, uh, humility will always win in the end. Uh, what two things did Moses say came from the Lord upon the people in number 1646? Now there's going to be some wrath some judgment. and a plague. Wrath and a plague on the people. So Moses and Aaron are the proper intercessors. They know how to intercede. They know what they're doing. And I'm going to have Ryan read number 1646. Uh, and it's going to tell you what Moses and Aaron did in order to make atonement for the people. Number 1646. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar, 
and put on incense and go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. Man. So Moses tells Aaron what to do, and he doesn't argue with him. He does it, right? Aaron right. does exactly what Moses said. Right. So in number 1648, Aaron stood between two types of people. What were they? They were the dead and the living. The dead and the living. Now, how many died because of the plague in number 1649? Check this out. 14,700 people died. So by the time he got the incense going and ran among the people, 14,700 people had already died. That's nuts. So here's the thing, Ryan. What if we drop the ball as a leader and something bad is going to happen or something bad's happening and we don't, we don't, we don't stop it? We don't really address it. How many people could be affected? Yeah, we let it go and it affects you know, more people. And that's, that's right. the thing that I've learned, Ryan, and the decisions that I have had to make is that we're talking about myself as an individual, my wife, my children, this church, this movement, the Commonwealth of Israel, Ryan. You represent the Commonwealth of Israel. As we do this podcast, we represent Yeshua as an ambassador, and we represent the Commonwealth of Israel. Think about that. So it's so important to have a good witness and a good testimony. So now God's going to set the precedence. He's going to say, listen, I'm going to set the record straight here. I want it to be very clear. How many rods were gathered and what was written on each one? So it was, Number 17-2. Yep, it was 12 rods and every man's name was written on the rods. This would have been the leaders of the tribes, right? So the, the rod is a, is a position of leadership, a leader. And... Uh, Numbers 17.5, let's let's read something in regard to these rods. All right. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. Number 17.5, check that out. You know, um, we won't get into it right now, but I do believe it's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. There are five tests. That Israel will face in the last days. The fifth one is murmuring. Oof. You know, we just have to put some duct tape on our mouth when we wake up in the morning and uh, catch ourselves. Catch ourselves. So, <laughs> where do they lay the rods in number 17.7? So, they put them before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. All right, before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And the next, Aaron's rod budded, blossomed, and yielded almonds. In number 17.8. Boom. And now, where did the Lord tell Moses to place Aaron's rod? Before the, the testimony. And what's the testimony but the commandments of God? Correct. So what are the three things found in the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, that's going to be manna, the testimony, and uh, Aaron's rod. Now, I want to just clarify this. Think about this. If God is on the mercy seat, and the Ark of the Covenant is like a throne, and there's manna, which is provision for the kingdom, the rod represents authority, and the commandments is the constitution of the kingdom. Yeah. So you, you can't really have God on his throne, on the mercy seat, without those three things. You need provision, you need leadership, and you need, need a constitution. You need a Torah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's just real real clear. So now we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to get into the Levitical priesthood. There's a little damage control here, a little cleanup going on. And uh, once again, this is how you'll see this throughout many, many stories. But the story picks up where it leaves off, always for something good. What two things were Aaron and his sons to bear? The iniquity of the sanctuary and the iniquity of the priesthood. 
Those are the two things that they were to bear. He's going to make it a very clear for our mandate for the Levitical priesthood. What were the Levites' main responsibilities in Numbers 18.6? Uh, the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So that was their... The service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Yep. Um, once again, here are all of the offerings that are most holy for the priests and their sons, Numbers 18.9, and what are they? They're going to be the oblations, the meat offerings, the sin offerings, and the trespass offerings. Very good. Once again, we go back into the offering mode, Ryan. Who's going to serve the Lord? You know, as Korah rebelled and 250 princes lost their life, here's God saying, hey, I'm a God of order. This is how it works. This is what's going to happen. Where's your offering? And that's what we would ask people today. Uh, in Numbers 18.20, let's talk about the inheritance. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. Very good. So the inheritance for the Levites was the Lord. That's right. They didn't have to get caught up in materialism and all these other things. Of course, later on you'll see they do get land and houses and things. But the thing is that the inheritance for the Levite was the Lord. That's right. And nobody could take it from them. Nobody could, could you know, twist it or, or keep it from them. And how much did the Levites receive for their service in Numbers 18.21? A tenth or a tithe. So the tithe goes to the, the tabernacle, but the you Levites. Know, it, it's interesting as we have an awesome... Um, place here for Beit Tehillah on nearly five acres and a beautiful sanctuary, you know, uh, when, when people do give the tithes and the offerings, you know, it helps to pay the mortgage and the church insurance and all these things. And, uh, and it allows uh, my wife and I to be full-time ministry to serve the people and to serve the vision. And uh, once again, we want to we want to thank all of you that that believe in the storehouse is, is the church and that from that you can have a successful community and, of course, build a strong community and raise up the next generation. Uh, Numbers 1830, did the Levites get a portion of the heave offering? Yes, they did. Yes, they so did. So it's like Amen. their bonus. That's it. So once again, we're seeing some incredible things happening here. Uh, you know, uh, and we need to just keep in tune with everything that's going on. And, uh, there's of course some interesting negotiations going on with our president and North Korea. And, uh, he is of course the deal maker, the art of the deal. Uh, so once again, God can take the foolish things that confound the wise. You well, know what I'm you, saying? You know, what's interesting about Donald Trump is I heard that he has uh, fulfilled the constitution and now it's done away with. We won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that, Ryan. So we just want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Really promote the Torah as best you can. Uh, we're literally on the same page as the Jewish people. Uh, Korah will go into effect this Friday night. Uh, and, of course, it'll be for a week. And once again, every synagogue all over the world will be uh, looking at the Torah portion, Korah. So here we are as Christians uh, studying the Torah. We're finding Jesus in the Torah. We're finding a lot of cool things in the Torah. And can't encourage you enough in this. Absolutely. And you guys know if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can get uh, me at ryan at twopraise.net. Uh, you can call the office here at 813-654-2222. And every Shabbat, every Saturday at 11 a.m., we live stream our Sabbath service uh, online. You can go to twopraise.net and watch online. You can also contact us, and you can donate on our website at twopraise.net. So uh, bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.